say thank you guys so much for um, the team, for everything. I, I heard we just had really an incredible summer, and um, it's so good to be able to put something in place, walk away, and know that you guys are in really good hands, and God has done something really great. Amen. Are you ready for the word this morning? I want to give you a quote right out of the gate. Talking to you this morning about God in my everything, that's been the series that we're in, I want to talk to you about noise. How many have to have the room completely quiet in order to go to sleep? How many need noise in order for it to go to sleep? Like you have to have some type of noise, okay? Um, one of the beautiful things, and I got the opportunity of spending about five weeks total this summer out in Colorado, and it's just enjoyable to be able to wake up in the morning and where we were staying at this Airbnb, it was incredible because uh, right outside my windows was this, this beautiful little pond-like meditation area that they had built. And um, the noise pollution that I'm used to, where I live uh, in downtown basically here in Tampa, and on any given morning it's garbage trucks, it's uh, horns honking, it's the sound of car doors opening and closing, crazy college kids at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning because we live on the, right, right outside the campus of UT. There's so much noise. And I realize that all of our lives are inundated with this noise, this constant noise. It's almost like a low-grade fever. You've ever had a fever? It's this sense that there are so many things going on. There's the external noise, the, the noise of the news and social media and all of that. And then there's the internal noise, the voices, and things that, that we, like words that have been spoken I was going to share this maybe a couple of weeks from now, but I felt like after listening to, to a little bit of Pastor Jared's sermon last week, I felt like this might be good to come back along and share during this season, especially when we're talking about blessing and cursing, voices, things that have been shared, the things that we speak over ourselves and the things that we speak over others. Sarah said like this, and I want you to, it's a little bit of a longer quote, but I think it's very powerful. And he sums it up like this. He said, our world no longer hears God because it is constantly speaking at a devastating speed and volume in order to say nothing. Modern civilization does not know how to be quiet. It holds forth in an unending monologue. Postmodern society rejects the past and looks at the present as a cheap consumer object. It pictures the future in terms of an almost obsessive progress. Its dream, which has become a sad reality, will have been to lock silence away in a damp, dark dungeon. Thus, there's a dictator of speech, a dictator of verbal emphasis. In this theater of shadows, nothing's left but a purulent wound of mechanical words, without perspective, without truth, and without foundation. Quite often, truth is nothing more than the pure and misleading creation of the media, corroborated by fabricated images and nothing more than the pure and misleading uh, creation of the media, corroborated by fabricated images and testimonies. When that happens, the Word of God fades away, inaccessible and inaudible. Postmodernity is an ongoing offense and aggression against the divine silence. From morning to evening, from evening to morning, silence no longer has any place at all. The noise tries to prevent God himself from speaking. In this hell of noise, man disintegrates and is lost. He's broken up into countless worries, fantasies, and fears. In order to get out of these depressing tunnels, he desperately awaits noise so that it will bring him a few consolations. But noise is a deceptive, addictive, and false tranquilizer. 
The tragedy of our world is never better summed up than in the fury of senseless noise that stubbornly hates silence. This age detests the things that silence brings to us, encounter, wonder, and kneeling before God. Even in the schools, silence has disappeared. And yet, how can anyone study in the midst of noise? How can you read in noise? How can you train your intellect in noise? How can you structure your thought and the contours of your interior being in noise? And how can you be open to the mystery of God, to spiritual values, and to our human greatness in continual turmoil? Contemplative silence is a fragile little flame in the middle of a raging ocean. The fire of silence is weak because it is bothersome to a busy world. I think that's a powerful quote. In 2018, I, I had this experience that, that you know, at the time, I, I, really, I really didn't understand it. I mean, fully. I was, I was at uh, Disney World, or Disneyland, Disney World. And um, if you've ever been to Disney World during Christmas, um, it, it's a busy place. Because there's a lot going on. And I was with uh, a family member of mine. It was just the two of us. And I had been there all day long. It was starting to turn into like a hostage situation. Like it was, I was there for a long, long time. And at the end, we're at Magic Kingdom. And if you've ever been there, there's a long parade that basically ends the evening. And the person I was with was like, I, I want to watch this parade. I haven't seen this parade. I want to watch it. And I just wanted to get out. But I decided to just sit there and to be quiet and to be still. And I had this experience of sensory overload like I have never experienced it before. It was so bad, to be honest with you, I thought I might have been having a panic attack. I had never had a panic attack before in my life, not before, not since. I'd never have experienced anything like that before. But it was almost to where I had to close my eyes and just sit for a minute because there were so many noise, so many lights, so many things going on. And I, I started to really ask the Lord because it wasn't just something that just happened. It wasn't like a moment that I just kind of brushed aside. It was a real experience. And I started to ask the Lord what it was all about, what it really looked like. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I just had blown out my adrenal glands by having way too much coffee the whole day. I had been eating literally chocolate from, they just give you free chocolate all the time. It was just chocolate, chocolate chips, chocolate cookies, chocolate this, chocolate that. And I thought maybe it's just my hyperactivity. I don't, I don't know what it was. But I realized something, and I've never been able to really have the same experience before. If it gets too busy, if it gets too loud, if it gets too noisy, and if it gets too crazy, I have a hard time being around it. And some of you may be the same way. And so I started to really lean into this with the Lord, and I felt like the Lord was telling me a few things. Like, number one, you need to slow down. Number two, you need to stop having so much physical and mental stimulation going all the time. And I started to ask myself what it looked like. The crazy part about it was that whole entire day I had been spending was on my phone where I was dealing with several crises in the church, crises in the church, and it was just a constant on the phone texting. Val, during that time period, 2017 and 18, she would get on me all the time because I'd be on my phone. I was constantly on my phone. I wasn't doom scrolling or anything like that. I wasn't surfing social media, but I was either on the phone all the time or I was texting. It was just constant deluge of my spirit system. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was coming back and saying no. In Psalms 23, 1 through 6, we've heard this scripture many times. I mean, N.T. Wright said this might be one of the most popular songs in all of Christianity. It's almost impossible to go to a funeral at any point in time and not hear Psalms 23. Most of us know it. Even people that are not Christians know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We understand that. He makes me to lie down beside 
green pastures and beside still waters. But I want to read it to you because I want to give you a different perspective on it. Psalms 23, 1 through 6 says this, The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, if we're talking about blessings and cursings, how many would agree with me this would be the kind of blessing that you want over your life? And the thing about this psalm, this song, basically, is that when David wrote it, David didn't write it as a young man. A lot of theologians thought originally that he was writing this as a young man, looking forward to the goodness of God at some point in his life, as a shepherd, basically, with his sheep. But David actually wrote this passage as an old man looking back over his life. He's looking as, as an old man with perspective. And how many would agree with me today? All of us know exactly what it means to have a different perspective on life. How many would go back and talk to your 18-year-old version of yourself and say, hey, do this differently? Go back to yourself and say, hey, invest in Apple or, you know, Bitcoin is going to peak at this, you know, this level whenever it does, whatever. All of us know beyond a shadow of a doubt we would go back. And this is David writing this passage. But there are two other things that I want you to see in this passage of Scripture. And the, the crux of this Scripture is follow me all the days of my life. Well, when we think about that, when we think about that passage of Scripture, we have a tendency sometimes to, to think about our, our, the God in the sense of like a little puppy dog that just kind of follows us, like, like Preston, who just follows us from room to room, hoping that we drop some food around, like just kind of like, you know, always there. And the moment that we turn around, we might pet him or something. But I think this is incredibly bloodless. This is a bloodless perspective on who God is. Because if you actually study out the word chase, the actual follow me, it's the Hebrew word radof. And it's, the word radof means so much deeper. It means to chase after or to pursue. And so what he's saying here, he's not saying that the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And he lies, makes me lie down in green pastures and it's all great and quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley, I will fear no death. But he's saying that surely goodness will chase you down all the days of your life. We do not have a God who is inactive in our life. And the beautiful part about this incredible perspective is it flies in the face of everything in my Pentecostal upbringing where I had to chase God, where I had to be the one to track him down, that I had to be the one to get him to move on my behalf, that, that if I was just fiery enough in worship, if I stood here long enough and they did the song and it was the right song at the right moment and they had the right moving background, that God surely would move because he would be pleased with me. But here's the beautiful thing about is that even in our sin and in our brokenness, God loves us and he is pursuing and chasing us. And I think it's so beautiful and it brings such an incredible perspective that's so different to me because here's the thing, my sin is no longer something that just keeps me from the Father. It's the something that the Lord looks at me and he goes, hey, are you going to let me in and heal that? It's something that the Holy Spirit goes, it's not that you haven't had any thoughts about me all week. It's not because of this or that or you've on top of the world. It's I 
chase and pursue after you because these are things that I want to give you. Surely goodness. And here's David. You've got to realize, David looking back over his life, and David made some mistakes, man. David did some stuff that was wrong. David did some stuff that was heartbreaking. David did some stuff that literally all of us would look at him and go, there's no way, man. You're not leading here. You're not a part of this. Like David did some stuff, and for him to be able to declare this, there was something meaningful and powerful for all of us. The other thing that I I love about this Psalms 23 is that it has 55 Hebrew words in it. And at the heart you find, for thou art with me. And here's what I want you to see, that there are exactly 26 words before that and 26 words after that. And so what you see is that he's in us. He's with us in the middle of our noise, in the middle of everything. He was with us in our past, and he's going to be with us in our future, that God is with us in every single thing that we do. And so what's the noise that we have to deal with? And all of us have to deal with this, the uh, social media, the news, and a world that is constantly in consumption. And we feel that pressure all the time. Like, we, we feel this pressure that that if we're not being engaged with this, we're, you know, I, I talk to 22 and 23-year-olds that feel like life has left them and, and, and like they're behind the curve. And I'm like, where are you getting this from? And it's because we feel this constant pressure on us all the time to do something. We look at other things that are going on. Then you see this political and social, social turmoil all the time, that, that this noise of who's going to be elected and who's not going to be elected and who's going to be responsible for this and who's not going to be responsible for that. And this noise, and here is exactly what it is. It's noise. Maybe the third thing is it's this critic or uh, this person at work or maybe a person has set their face against us. We're going to experience that from time to time in our life. And then the fourth one is just the daily busyness of life. That alarm goes off. And how many would agree with me? That alarm is noise. <laughs> it's supposed to be. That's the nature of alarms. There's one you to see. It's the eternal kingdom that the Father wants to rule over. And once he has rule there, he rules everywhere. And we can talk about that for just a moment because, you know, how many kind of bristle whenever I say the Lordship of Christ? You know, like bringing your life under the rule of Jesus. We all kind of bristle against that. But the truth of the matter is, is that that is a beautiful thing. Is that when you're able to bring your life under the complete and total sovereignty of God, and you're able to trust him with everything, what ends up happening is is that the noise fades into the background. And that's really what the enemy tries to do all the time, is he tries to get us to focus on the noise, because the noise is the distraction from the thing that's the most important. It's the the noise, it's that little comment that someone said, It's, it's the idea, but here's the thing about noise, is that it's just noise. But the truth of the matter is, is that when life change happens, it's going to happen because we drowned out the noise and we focused on what's important. It's kind of like the Polaroid, the old Polaroid camera. Anybody ever have one of those? They still, you know, uh, Avery loves those things. She thinks it's amazing. And the little cartridges are like, you know, $13 million or whatever now. But, you know, I mean, you would agree, like when you were younger, you go, how come I didn't take more pleasure in this when it was around for free? But anyway, um, it's a lot like that. And that's what happens is that we take a snapshot of our life and then you start to remember waving it really quick and blowing on it, you know, bringing air and it starts to materialize. The sad part about most of what happens in our lives is that we get distracted by the noise and then by the time that the picture materializes, we miss what God was trying to do in that moment because we were focused on the noise. 
But what if God is saying, hey, I want you to come away with me, and I want you to be with me in still waters, and I want you to be with me in quiet times, and I want you to know that even when there is noise in the valley, and you do feel like that everything is going to fall apart, and you do feel like, or whenever you're just sitting there in those moments, and there, you feel like destruction is upon you, that that may not be the truth, because that may be what you're seeing, but the facts are different, and the facts are that you are mine, and I'm going to keep you through everything that you're going to face and experience. That brings about real joy. That changes the noise, the different scenarios in our lives. Luke chapter 6, 44 through 46 says, Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. And people do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so the idea of getting into communion with the Father. Sabbatical is not about going off and having all of these experiences. It's about a reorientation of my life back to what matters. Because when you come to church on a Sunday morning, you don't need a guy who's sharing with you information from a book he read. What you need is a guy who's had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. What you need is the experience of communion. You want to change your family, commune with the Father. You want to change the inner dialogue, commune with the Father. You want to change your marriage, commune with the Father. I can't make this any more simple for you than that. You cannot go around this. You cannot go above it. You cannot go under it. You cannot, you have to go through it. And you have to be able to sit and go, okay, there are things in my life that are way out of order. Like whenever we snap or we say something. And here's how you can tell, and this is how I can usually tell when I'm starting to drift, because I am by no means, no means exempt from this same thing. But whenever I find myself complaining or criticizing or wanting to take credit for something, that's how I know that I've stopped communing with the Father. If I start slandering someone else or even slandering myself, getting down on myself, and that is entirely possible to do, or if I find myself starting to find fault with everything, then I know that my communion with the Father has started to drift, that I, my time with Him is starting to really, really, really take a toll. It's been uh, uh, starting to really like fracture. And that's what happens is that in those moments we become very fragmented and the noise is constantly about trying to make sure. But here's the thing, God shows up in our noise. And the beautiful thing that I love about God is that he never comes and says, hey, I want your attention. You watch me. You look at me. Hey, I'm the most important thing. What he normally does is he goes, hey, Michael, over here. I'm like, yeah, but see that noise? I was like, yeah, but over here. No, no, I, I get that, God. Hey, stop. Let me look. And was, you know, that's literally how I do you may know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, so the Lord's saying, hey, you know, you need to apologize to her. I ain't apologizing to her. Forget that. You know, that, that's the noise right there. I don't need that. That's noise. And the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, hey, Michael, your attitude's a little out of order. Hey, I'm calling you into something a little different, you know. And I'm here thankful because that's the way the Lord does it. He doesn't go, hey, you, do what I say right now. Because that wouldn't be serving. When you turn your heart to him and he's, he's gently just tugging you and, and you literally can sense that feeling and you, can, you know and you turn your voice and you look at him, there's something beautiful. There's, that's where the encounter and the wonder happens. But here's the thing. If I can make my, if the enemy can make my enemy someone who believes politically different than me, 
If the enemy can make like this, this politics the main thing in my mind, and we're getting ready to go into one of those seasons again, I don't have a lot to say about that. Maybe we never even left it, but if he, can, if he can get me to think that it's my spouse's fault for all my problems, or if my kids just behaved, or if I just had that kind of income, all of that is noise when the Father's saying, hey, I want you to come and I want you to spend some time with me because if you commune with me, you're going to find what is real and what is good. And then what happens when you commune with him, good things come out. And people can tell this man or this woman has been with the Father. And you see this, like what, what, what happened? Why did Peter <laughs> literally cuss out a teenager? Because he was trying his hardest to deny that he had been with Jesus. But here's the thing, he had spent so much time with Jesus, he couldn't deny that he had been Jesus because he sounded and acted like Jesus. You ever been around those older couples that they finish each other's sentences or when they laugh or they start to dress, they look like each other, you know? I'm kind of looking forward to that day where me and Val start to just look like each other. We just become one person, you know? <laughs> That's what happens is that when you become like Jesus, and that, that was the thing for me in 2018 that I started to ask myself is like, am I living this fragmented life? I don't want you to come to church and then all of a sudden, you know, I stand on the stage and I change my voice. Or when I pray, I start using different, more spiritual language than that. Because it's not that difficult than say, hey, I just want to be with you, Jesus. So Rod goes on to say this, let me finish because we got some food to eat. And by the way, uh, Brenda, I was supposed to do this and I completely forgot. Uh, the rule of life class is full. Uh, spiritual eldering is full. The preaching class is full. Uh, but uh, we're going to open up the rule of life for those of you that are on the wait list because I'm back and that's, you know, generous, um, just being generous. Just, so if you're on the, just come for that, okay? Anyway, I did my duty there. So Sarah said this, it is necessary to protect precious silence from all parasitical noise. The noise of our ego, which never stops claiming its rights plunging us into an excessive preoccupation with ourselves. The noise of our memory which draws us toward the past, that of our recollection or of our sins. The noise of our temptations or of acedia, which basically means just a, down, a downtrodden or broken spirit. The spirit of gluttony, lust, avarice, where we feel hatred towards someone. Anger, sadness, vanity, and pride. All of that's noise. In short, everything that makes up the spiritual combat that man must wage every day. In order to silence these parasitical noises, in order to consume everything in the sweet flame of the Holy Spirit, silence is the supreme antidote. Kind of reminds me of the passage of Scripture where the Father says this, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Is Alec, where's Alec at? Are you here? Sorry. Oh, he's in kids. Justin, come here real quick. You have to do this without your... Fernando, you're, you're, you're big enough. Come on up here, buddy. I want two men. Stand right there and gatekeep communion for me real quick. Just give me your most intimidating. Just cross your arms. That's noise. Not, not these guys. These guys are, are incredible men of God, but this is noise. Does that make sense? And what is it constantly trying to do? It's trying to keep you from having communion with the Father. Now, obviously, you guys know that I'm not talking about the actual act of communion. I'm talking about the spiritual experience of the Father throughout the week. Communion. Thanks, guys. 
The idea is that the enemy is constantly wanting to gatekeep and constantly get us to focus on the noise as opposed to focusing on communion. And what Jesus did was he said, listen, I died on the cross so that noise can be parted and you can come and sit with me. And that's the main focus of noise. And so one of the things that, that I, I've really been leaning into, and this is kind of a play on words, but if you look at communion, communion is spelled C-O-M, M, and then the word union. That communion is union with the Father. And when there's union with the Father, guess what? Everything else can be completely and totally chaotic, but I know that the Holy Spirit is going to lead me through it. That everything in, in life it could be falling apart all around me, but as long as I have union with the Father. An old pastor used to tell me all the time, it was actually some advice that got passed down, but he said this, he said, as long as you have the Holy Spirit and as long as you have your family, you have everything you need to get through any situation that you face in life. And that's very true. As long as you have those things, you have the ability to see the Holy Spirit work through. And here's the thing. Some of you, the noise has been getting you. Some of you have allowed the noise to dominate the narrative in your life. Some of you have allowed things that were never supposed to take first place in your life take first place. And that noise has escalated to a point where you can't hear anything else because it's winning. And here's the beautiful part about it. You don't have to go through a ton of hoops. You don't have to jump through a bunch of things. You don't have to do anything different. You don't have to go through 12 different rituals or steps or anything like that. All you have to do is say, Father, will you speak to me? And can I hear your voice? And guess what? He will. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes he may tell you something that you don't want to hear. But guess what? Don't brush it off. Because if you go through that, if you listen to him, on the other side of that is the green pasture. On the other side of that is still waters. I'll lead you with this because I love you. And then we'll get into hard stuff next week. Is it working for you? Is it working for you? Because if it isn't, then maybe it's time to do something different. And maybe it's time to try it his way. Folks, union with the Father is one of the most beautiful experiences that you can ever experience. And noise is constantly trying to take it away from us. But how many are thankful that he is in everything? Amen. Go ahead and stand with me as we close this morning.